if we're not reading the Bible through Jesus and we're taking everything as equal and giving everything uh, the same weight and taking it at its face value, the Bible's an incoherent text. How can you say, listen to the cries of the poor without looking at what makes them poor? You don't have to believe certain things to be part. The irony is that you can be pro-guns, pro-death penalty, pro-military, anti-environment, and still say you're pro-life. But people get really uncomfortable. It's like they want to have their religion and they want to have their porn. They want to do both. I don't think any form of Christianity deserves to survive and thrive if it doesn't come to terms with the racism of our past. When we really tell the story of Jesus, we find a God who comes to the point where it has all collapsed. If a good teacher is to get a student to get the right answers on the test, and if Jesus was supposed to get us to get the right answer for when we die, then can we just be honest and say, not a good teacher? Fall is upon us, and we're back into the normal routines that we're used to, and let one of those normal routines be your health and wellness. Who better to help you with that than Angie Niska with Rise Nutrition? You can reach out to her on Facebook at Rise Menominee, and she'll get you started accomplishing all of your health and wellness goals. Again, that's Angie Niska with Rise Nutrition. Hey friends, I am your host, Matt Kinzer. Great to be with you today. Hey, we have talked maybe far too much about the idea of hell on this podcast, but we have yet to really take on the concept of heaven. So I thought we'd do that today. Now, before we get started, for those of you who have heard about my ramblings on hell or heard some of the other guests that we've had on this podcast talk about hell, you know that in my thought process, I'm not so convinced that hell is actually real. Now, there's no way to know, right? We're talking about things we can't see. So just my perspective, if you've heard any of those podcasts, you probably have a little bit of that understanding of where I come from and where other guests have come from on the same issue as well. And so before we get started on the concept of heaven, I feel like I need to just like bring peace to everyone's souls here (laughs) and let you know up front that at no point in this podcast will I allude to the idea that heaven isn't real. I don't think that's productive. I hope I sure hope that heaven is real. If heaven isn't real, it's like, what are we doing on some level, right? If there's no afterlife, then what's the point of any of these conversations? So I just want to put your hearts at rest that you can just let your shoulders relax a little bit and know that at no point in this podcast am I going to bring out some harebrained idea about heaven or the afterlife not being a real thing. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's jump in. So this modern concept of hell, this is, again, I'm just spitballing here. This is my understanding of kind of where it comes from. So our modern concept of hell, the one that I grew up learning about, the one that probably most of you heard, this idea of this beautiful place, streets of gold, no more sorrow, no more tears, worshiping around a throne, all the nations together, like all of that stuff. It's really a bit of a unique and modern take on heaven and the afterlife. I think it's rooted a little bit in this concept of original sin. So original sin isn't something that we heard Jesus talk about. It's not something you'll find any reference to in the Old Testament. Really, original sin came out from a early 
early church father, we'll call him. His name was Augustine. You've probably heard that name before, but he's the one that really began with this trajectory of original sin, meaning that we are born into this world inherently sinful, as opposed to being born into this world inherently good, which as a young person growing up, like never made any sense to me because the concept was that, well, then these cute little babies had to be filled with sin and wrath. And that just <laughs> never, never made any sense to my mind. And, and the idea of heaven was, was super interesting growing up at Catholic as well, because there was just a little bit of a debate of what happened with babies if they died before they were baptized because in the Catholic Church, that that baptism, that infant baptism, that was where it was at. You had to get that baby baptized and do it fast because if they died before they got baptized, I don't know what happened to them, but they didn't go to heaven. So this is just real weird concept. But it was kind of rooted in this idea of original sin, right? Because if the baby wasn't baptized, if their parents weren't saying, hey, we are putting our faith on this child and they were inherently born into this world sinful, then we had a problem. It's not like crazy thinking. Well, it is crazy thinking, but the, the deduction, the two plus two equals four deduction of why baptism was important, that's not crazy. So this idea of heaven, the way that we think of it, the modern way that we think of it, I think is is in some ways connected to that idea of original sin. Because if original sin is a reality and we are all inherently sinful, then that also kind of has this overflow that the earth as a whole is flawed and problematic, right? So there's this sense that there's problems with humanity, there's problems with nature, nothing's how it should be. As soon as sin entered this world, we had big problems. And so because of that, the the take on heaven started slowly but surely becoming this place or this idea that was far removed from, from this horrible place we call earth. Because if there was going to be a place that was perfection or this place where God was dwelling, and if God is love and if God is perfection, well, we have this idea of humanity and the earth being imperfect. And so if heaven is represented by perfection, then it has to be removed from the concept of earth. So that's my understanding where the root of this concept of heaven and earth being so far removed came into play. It obviously maybe started there and has evolved to the place where we are right now, where that's definitely the take, the common take that Christianity puts on heaven. So if we're not going to take that idea on heaven, if we're not going to do that concept of heaven and earth being very separated, very removed from one another, if we're not going to take that approach, well, what's the other option, which is a great question. So I'm going to just share a little bit about one group of Christians in history, how they viewed the afterlife. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that Jesus said, well, one specifically, and I hope that will help us understand that a better way to view heaven is a way in which heaven has a closer proximity than at least in my life I've ever thought of it. So a group of people, the ancient Celtic Christians. So there's this group, they, I mean, their roots are in paganism, and then they came out of paganism, became Christians, but then have these beautiful ties. You know, one of the beautiful things about paganism is the connection to the earth. And so Christians that came out of that pagan culture, that pagan Celtic 
culture. They grabbed onto all this goodness that had to do with Christianity, uh, but they didn't lose their real connection to the earth. And for a Celtic Christian, the concept of the earth being in any way bad was so foreign, again, because they, they saw nature. They still, I mean, still Celtic Christians or mystic Christians today will look at nature as so beautiful and so intertwined into our faith. And so the concept of a Celtic Christian, again, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, is, is kind of where I'm referencing the concept of them having any sort of belief that nature or our world or our earth was inherently bad just wouldn't make sense to their understanding of faith at all. And so remove that from the picture and you've got kind of a different playing field to deal with. So the ancient Celtic Christians, their thought of the afterlife was like this. They believed that from earth to the afterlife was separated by a thin veil. So they had this idea that to get to the afterlife from the space where we're living currently, all that you had to do is pass through this very, very thin veil. And they even had some different ceremonies and different festivals that would happen. And there was one in particular where they had this festival where they believed that that veil actually became even thinner, so thin that a person or a soul, depending on what side you're coming from, could pass from one side of the veil to the other. So this group of Christians, they had this belief that we were separated from the afterlife by a thin veil. And at times that veil was so very thin that we could cross from one side to the other. That's a different concept, right? That's different than what I think of when I was learning about heaven growing up because it was very, very much so this idea of heaven is out there. It's not accessible to me now. It's a place I hope to go one day. But again, it's so far removed from the earth as opposed to this idea where the ancient Celtic Christians had this concept that heaven was so very close to earth that at times you could even pass from one to the other. Now, did they really believe that you could pass from one to the other? I don't know, but the beauty of the idea and the beauty of the thought is the closeness in proximity that they viewed the afterlife or that they viewed heaven to be. It's just right there. It's just right on the other side of this very, very thin veil. It's right there, almost like you can touch it, which then leads me to my next thought. Again, I don't mean to belabor this point that I grew up Catholic. I talk about it a lot on this show because it's just, you know, it's my, it's my foundation. It's what I grew up in. So growing up Catholic, for those of you who grew up Catholic, you know this, that every single mass you ever went to, you had to say a prayer called the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer. I know those of you who grew up Lutheran probably had to do the same. And even those who grew up in evangelical or Protestant circles probably said this prayer a lot. But for me, I said it every mass. And here's the thing, guys, I went to Catholic school as well. So not only did I have the excitement and honor of going to mass every Sunday. I got to do it in the middle of the week as well. How lucky was I? And so the Lord's prayer was just something. I mean, I could roll with it. I could say it in my sleep. 
I mean, I bet I have said that prayer thousands upon thousands of times in my life. And anytime you do something over and over and over and over and over, it tends to lose its it loses its power, right? It loses its effectiveness because it just becomes this routine. Well, I remember once, and this was in my post-Catholic days, but I remember when I was in a Protestant church, an evangelical church, we were saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I stopped because I was like, what did I just say? What have I just said a bazillion times in my life? Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And then I started digging. Well, first I started asking some questions about that, but then I started digging into that. And now that the Lord's prayer comes from Jesus. Jesus is telling people how to pray. And when he's telling people how to pray, he's, he's telling us that when we pray, we should desire that the kingdom of heaven, which at this point in my life, I'd always thought of as out there, but he's telling us that the kingdom of heaven is close enough that we should be able to have access enough to it to actually bring it here to earth. So in the same ways of the Celtic traditions where there was this thin veil that separated us from the afterlife, this concept that we hear in the Lord's Prayer is a concept where the afterlife, where heaven is right there and is very accessible to us. And so it's not this place that's so far out there that we can't even perceive it because it's so far removed. Like the opposite is actually what Jesus seemed to teach. The opposite is actually what some of our early church fathers seemed to teach. This concept that heaven is so close that even while we're alive on this earth, we have access to it. That is exciting. Now, if you've been around the Protestant or Evangelical Church for any length of time and heard some of the conversation about heaven, you are probably aware that most of the imagery that is used to talk about heaven comes from, I guess, what we'd call the apocalyptic literature in the Bible, more specifically the book of Revelation. In the evangelical circles, the book of Revelation is taught as this literal understanding of a letter written, inspired by God, about what's going to happen <laughs> in the future. It's like about Jesus' second coming and what have you. Interesting, though, is that most historical understanding of the book of Revelation actually sees it as a coded letter to people that were alive in the here and there. So, so in evangelical circles, Revelation is this concept of we're talking about the second coming of Jesus. We're talking about the end of the world as we know it. But again, in a lot of other historical literature and in other Christian belief circles, the book of Revelation is simply viewed as a letter written from one Christian to other Christians that was written in code language because if it was found out what they were actually talking about, they'd get persecuted or even killed. And so it was a letter written in code language talking about things that were actually going on at that time. Well, that changes some things, right? And I know, like, I know me just saying that, if you've had a different understanding of that for all your life, might be a bit to take in, but maybe we'll traverse that in another episode or read a book about it or something. I don't know. 
<laughs> but I'm just letting you know that that is not the only way to look at the book of Revelation. So, so much of the imagery of heaven comes from the book of Revelation. That's where we're talking about the streets of gold. That's where we're talking about so much. I mean, just think about any sermon you've heard about heaven. That's probably where much of the imagery came from. Why do I bring that up? Because if we get a certain image in our head, that often can skew a concept or an idea in our head. And the idea of being in a place where there's no more sorrow, no more sadness. I mean, who wouldn't desire that? Being in a place where streets are made of gold. I mean, I'm not a big fan of gold, but, I, you know, the idea is, is lovely. And there's this idea where we're together with all of humanity, the idea that we're bowing down to God. Like a lot of imagery is very comforting and very helpful to a lot of God-fearing people. And I think that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it can lead to some problematic areas. Now, I don't like a lot of sayings that you'll hear in Christian circles. Here's one I love. There's a saying that I've heard plenty of times in Christian circles that is, you have become so heavenly minded that, say it with me, you are no earthly good. You've become so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. That is a concept that I can totally get behind. And that is so true when we're talking about this idea of heaven. So many Christians will get to this place. I mean, the easiest way to say it, because we've all been there, right? It's like you get to this place where you're so fed up with this world because it can be a dark and ugly place so often. And you also get to this place in your life where you're like, I am tired. I am worn out. I am sick of all this hurt. I am sick of all of this trauma. Sometimes life just bears this huge burden. And so then you start hearing this concept of heaven with this amazing imagery. And it's not too far of a jump to get so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good because you just want to get there. You just want to be done with this and you want to go to that place where there's no more sadness and no more sorrow. And that's a place that has to be far removed from where we currently are. And so suddenly people, their only focus is talking and thinking about getting to heaven and their only focus is getting other people to get to heaven with them and when you get that heavenly minded in that construct of understanding heaven it's really easy to just dismiss the realities of our today and the realities of the here and now the biggest place where i've seen this is when christians seem to not care about taking care of the earth because if you believed that one day this earth is just going to be gone and that one day we're going to remove ourselves so far from this earth that it won't even be a part of our thinking anymore because we're going to be in this other place, this heaven. If that's our concept of heaven and earth, well, then who cares about global warming? Then who cares if we decimate our... We got bigger things to do. We got more important things to do. We got to get people into heaven. So who cares about the rainforest? Who cares about the arctic circle who cares about any of that stuff we got to get people to this heaven this earth is going to be gone so screw it who cares anyway right kind of get where i'm going so that idea of being so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good is very much a real thing and we have to be really careful of it but that only happens if we view heaven as a place that is not close if we view heaven as a place that is close in proximity to us, so close that it's right across from that veil, so close that we can bring it down to this earth, 
Well, then suddenly those ideas of heaven and earth become so intertwined that if we are heavenly minded with that idea, we're also earthly minded and it's a win-win the way I look at it. This also goes into the idea of how we care for ourselves as human beings. I mean, sure, we hear those sermons preached all the time where our body is a temple and we have to take care of it. But I've also run across a lot of people who are like, well, screw it. I don't really care much about my body because I'm getting rid of it pretty soon anyway because I'm going to this place called heaven. So again, it's just this idea that if we're focused on this place out there that one day we get to go to, and we have this imagery that's rooted in a book that may or may not be about the second coming of Jesus, it can really mess up our ability to be effective in the here and now today. And my understanding and what I take from the life of Jesus is that he was a human, that when he was here on this earth, his whole focus was being present in every moment and meeting the need of whatever was in front of them in that moment. If all we're thinking about is where we're going after we die, if all we're thinking about is getting to heaven, it will be very, very difficult to be present here on earth in the here and now. So a few personal things to just end this conversation with. I know, I mean, like so many times with this podcast, we just kind of get the conversation going and I'm hopeful that you will continue the conversation in your own circles, wherever you might be. But number one, to me, ignorance is not bliss. And my understanding for so many years of heaven is that you remove yourself from this earth And then also my understanding would be that if there's no more sorrow and no more sadness, then I would have to in some way be really disconnected from this earth, including being disconnected to those people that I love on this earth. Because how could I be somewhere and also be aware of the hurt and hardship that my loved ones on earth are going through? How could I experience that and not also experience some sorrow and some sadness? And so often in our world, we view especially in our Western culture, we view this idea of sorrow and sadness as a bad thing when really it's a beautiful thing and there's really nothing wrong with it. And so heaven being removed from sorrow and sadness seems like it would be a place that, and just go with me here, it'd be a place that would be lacking because empathy, care, and love all is tied into the ability to be able to relate and be with people who are suffering or people who are struggling. And so this idea that just because we're no longer here on the earth, that no longer can we have empathy for people that are struggling who maybe are still on this earth, like it's just, it's a stretch for me. And so for me, the idea of ignorance being blessed, that idea of being disconnected from this earth and calling that perfection didn't make sense to me. Because if I go to, if I die and I go to the afterlife and my kids are still here on earth, you better believe that I want to know what's going on with them. And I even want to know the struggles that they're going through because that's important to me. And that's part of what love looks like to me. And so that's part of the reason why heaven, the way that we've thought about it in the past really has, has been a struggle in my mind. Another thing, and maybe you can relate to me, and I'm a musician saying this, I'm a music person through and through saying this, but the idea of bowing before a throne on a bunch of clouds, singing songs for all eternity, to me that sounds horrible. It sounds, and I'm a person that actually loves music and likes to sing, but that sounds 
horrific. Yes, a step up from eternal torment and and torture. Sure. But I don't know that it's a step up from this wonderful, exciting place we call Earth. I mean, there's there's so much to do here on Earth. We can go see waterfalls. We can take hikes. We can go kayaking. We can jump out of airplane. I mean, you can do whatever you want. You can go deep sea diving. There's so much to do. Like there's so much excitement on this earth. You can sit with somebody who just needs a listening ear. You can cry with one another. You can laugh with one another. There's so much awesomeness on this earth. So that if heaven, then is this place where we just go and we kneel down. First of all, my knees aren't that good. So kneeling down for long periods of time sounds painful, but where we go and we just kneel down and we worship and we sing, and we're just like in this kind of ethereal wonderland, like that sounds horrible to me. <laughs> Maybe that's my Enneagram 7 coming out. I don't know what it is. But if that's our idea of heaven, I mean, I'm not out. Like, I'm in no matter what. But I mean, it just, it's just, it's just got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And so that's just a piece of, of this concept of heaven that I haven't enjoyed either. That somehow that it's so removed from this earth that it has to be so much different. And then when we talk about the type of different it is. It just doesn't sound that exciting to me. So that's always been a little bit of my issue with heaven, if I'm honest. And then finally, and this is this is the, the piece that's closest to my heart. I'm kind of connected to the ancient Celtic Christians in this way. I believe desperately that everyone and everything are deeply and intimately tied to one another. On top of that, I also believe that our souls are eternal. So even though we might die in this earth, like I do like buy into that concept of Christianity for sure, that we have these eternal souls that always have been and always will be. And so because I believe everything is so intimately and beautifully intertwined, and I believe our souls are eternal, well, then I believe that heaven or the afterlife has to be very, very close in proximity for that even to work, right? So if everything has to be intertwined and our souls are eternal, then everything has to just kind of be meshed together and so very close. You remember when when uh, Jesus talks, he's, this is another one of his prayers, and he's talking and he says, he's praying for us, and he says, I pray that you would be one as I and the Father are one. It's this concept that the goal is our deep interconnectedness, our deep connection to one another, to the divine, to nature, to everything. It's actually what the word Christ means, that interconnectedness. And so again, heaven as a place out there that maybe one day I'll get to, it just is not something that makes sense in my mind. It's not something that makes sense when I put it next to the life of Jesus. And so I think there's a better way. And I believe that better way is not that we try to understand what the afterlife or what heaven is like. We will never understand it. Even when we get there, I bet we won't understand it. So that's not the goal. It's not to like come up with some grand new theology that makes more sense. It's simply to believe that it's closer than we could ever imagine. It's to believe that it's accessible to all of us. And it's something that we can tap into today, right now, right here in our lives on this earth. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It's been an honor to be with you. Until next time.